1: good morning benzinga zinger nation on out there and of course all the investors here to learn from the number one morning show right here pre-market prep i'm super excited to have you i'm your host money mitch and of course i got dennis dick in the background i will give you guys a little insight we are going to be missing joel we'll talk a little bit about that coming on up um definitely best wishes on out to joel today We'll talk a little bit why and coming on up. I'll explain that. But, of course, today we got the overnight action, debt cap bounce, correlation to one. Got a question on that? We'll talk a little bit about that with Dennis. China stocks rebound on and IPO talks. Uh, We got also X going to give it to you, United States Steel Corporation. Uh, A little bit of a guidance change? Stay tuned for that. We'll talk with CC Lagathor, co-founder of Options AI. Of course, quad witching day today. Revlon shares are up higher based on a report. So you guys stay tuned. Welcome to it, Pre-Market Prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here,
2: isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny.
1: With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, let's go ahead. Let's bring on the one and only my man, Triple D, Dennis Dick in the house. What's How up? We doing?
2: Well, not too bad. I'm fighting the cold still, man. Like this long cold. COVID, man. It, long I think COVID. so. It just goes in waves. I feel like I've had a cold. I have a cold. I don't have a cold. I have a cold. I don't have a cold. I just wonder if I'm just like the COVID long hauler that you know it it shows up a little bit for a few days and it's gone for a few weeks and then it shows up for a few days and it's gone for a few weeks or maybe i just got back to back to back to back to back to back back colds but anyways uh it's got me a little bit nasally a little bit congested a little bit of a cough a little bit annoying is what it is but i feel okay just annoyance so
3: yeah
1: we'll we'll talk a little bit about the overnight action um with the, the long covid game uh I, I was fighting it for a while, too. It took me at least a week and a half, two weeks to actually I like get my months. energy back. But yeah, I yeah, like i I don't even sucks. know if I had
2: COVID. I never I never had a positive
1: test myself. So That's the hard part, right? Because it's not a cold, right? Colds usually go away in a week. So um, yeah, who, what who knows what it is? Uh, let's go ahead. Let's dive on in here. Uh, let's, first just thing- do, uh, let's just oh,
2: before we dive into the markets, let's just mention. So Joel's away here yeah, uh, for today. Uh, We want to give our condolences. His mother-in-law passed away, so I want to give our condolences obviously to Joel and to Lisa on the death Mm -hmm. of Lisa's mom. Um, She was 85, wonderful lady. Um, Obviously, she was actually um, uh, a child survivor of the Holocaust. Uh, So 85 years old, she's lived a very good life here, and um, we give our condolences to Joel and Lisa.
1: Definitely consultants, and also especially Joel's kids. I know how it is. I recently lost my grandma. It's tough, man. Uh, it's definitely tough, especially when you know you you have that. And 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 there's a lot of times when your grandma's like really important in your life, has been there for you in multiple yeah. times. So it's definitely tough. I know Joel's taking some time, and he he could take all the time in the world because we'll, we'll go ahead and handle this here. He can go ahead and address more important issues that are are going on right now uh but definitely uh wish joel the best and blessings for, for sure. his family moving forward uh let's go ahead let's dive into the overnight action alex dennis about how the overnight action was because sometimes you know i could look at the charts but Dennis trades the overnight action. So how was overnight for you, Dennis? It
2: was, It so we never really went red. We were buying right off of the hop on the S&P mm-hmm. and, and they kept seem to buying it up here overnight. And China is really the catalyst here for you know the continued overnight strength, I believe. Um, we'll jump into that in a second with the Alibaba news, but it's up 10 bucks this morning. So I think you know overnight action, the overseas markets, obviously helping our markets here this morning. If you're looking at your SPY, there is an ex dividend adjustment here today, so twice a year we got to adjust. If you don't have your futures quotes, which you know I don't like to pay for the futures quotes, you got to know, know when those spy dividends are <laughs> cuz it can screw you up. So 36665 was the close, the adjusted close for spy is actually 36507 because it paid that dollar 50 approximate dividend there. So you gotta knock that off the price. So actually SPY is up 0.94%, which is always in line with the futures.
1: Yeah, mine, uh, I don't think it's updated here. So just give you guys the insight there. I think the TC struggles on that and I don't pay for the futures uh, data either. So uh, that's why I'm the, pulling The reason
2: up. a lot of people don't understand, if you have a professional, if you have a license, trading license, which I do through Bright Trading, they charge you different fees. My fees for futures, they jacked it from $10 a month years ago to $650 a month. Just like that. Mm -hmm. Boom, boom. That's inflation for you, folks. So I canceled that like 10 years ago, my futures. I'm like, I'm not paying that because I have a spy. I don't need futures. Spy is, no. I have to pay for all my quotes, so I don't get any quotes for free. But at least I can do the whole package. But I don't need S&P futures. They make you buy the whole S&P futures package. And it was like $600 a month. Maybe they brought it down. I don't know. But the professionals pay a different rate on every single thing than retail. Once you have a license, they nail you with the fees. So that's why I canceled my S&P futures quotes a long time ago.
1: Let's take a look at the Qs. The Qs right now at uh, 274 here. Uh, We'll see if that can get back over some resistance right above it around, let's say, 275. That's going to be the level I'd call out on the Qs today. We'll see what happens on the overall market in the SPY. If I take a look at the daily chart, um, you know, you can see that you know we're starting to at least to have a little bit of sideways action after yesterday's kind of day that we really tumbled down there. Um, we'll see if we can get some rebounding, uh, maybe a dead cat rally. Who knows? Um, what what um, are you thinking here, it, it, uh, It's
2: it's impossible for, to predict. Again, anyone who tells you yeah. where the market's going to be is just throwing darts at the wall. Because right 100%. now, this is a tough market. And the biggest reason is we're on quadruple witch here today. So mm-hmm. there's going to be some major institutional action, not only at the open, but on the close as well. What does that mean? It's all your options and your futures and your you know, stock options ex- expiration here today. So, I mean, this is always a volatile day, but we've had increased volatility coming into today. So I would imagine it's going to be a crazy open. I would imagine a crazy close as well. The way I approach these days is I'm usually fading the moves. Stocks open too high, I'm a seller of stocks. Mm-hmm. If stocks, you know, close too high or open too low, I'd be a buyer of stocks that opening too low. Uh, seller stocks, they're opening too high and the exact same thing on the close. The way I do it, I throw out, you know, if I'm trading the close, I throw out LOC orders, limit on close orders. So if the stock's here, it's got a big buy imbalance that pushes the close up. I would be short that stock and that close saying it should come back in because that's not a fundamental reason. That's for order flow. And they tend to work better when you have increased volatility there. So sometimes, you know, stuff stocks can go against you, sometimes you miss some individual stock news. Uh, but for the most part, that dawn bright strategy of, you know, fading the opens, fading the closes has worked for 20, 22 years, not always 100% of the time, but there's an edge there for sure.
1: All right, so I wanted to show traders, at least from what I see uh, technically wise here and where we could potentially get a bounce. Um, so one of the things that I always look at is RSI, um, just to kind of mention what Dennis was talking about, um, I also have average true range always on my volume candles, and you can see how average true range is bouncing back on up there on the daily, it's about 10.28 right now. Um, Joel watches it that stream. too,
2: that's important, I think. We never talk about that, but that's I, I don't put much you know on the RSI, it's never worked for me, but the true range is always good, it's just telling you. You know, if if you've already moved to what the average range is going to be, do you want to say, okay, what's going to move twice the average range? You know, a lot of times it's more of a mean reverting opportunity there. So it's good to know, like, if SP is moving around three points a day or four points a day, it's already up three and a half points. It's like, okay, well, it's going to need to, you know, really get kickstarted to continue here so it's a good it's a good
0: tool Mitch.
1: yeah I definitely need to take a look at it and it's going to let us know when volatility is expanding or it's contracting and i think it's important to definitely keep it on watch now for rsi dennis i know that you might not be watching it too often but what i use it more is for moments of an extreme markets like when the markets are ripping or the markets are tanking um, and in my case this is what i look at i'll be looking at so i pull back the rsi and what I necessarily don't care about is any time that the RSI is in the middle, there's no edge there when the RSI is in the middle. What we want to do is see extreme points where the RSI has dropped, like, let's say in this point where it was down towards 13 on the daily. That's extremely oversold. Um, so anything below that 20 mark, you're going to really start seeing some excessive moves on back a lot of the times. And we could see, you know, we can kind of zoom in and see when we got a bounce last time. So when we got a bounce last time was right around here when we were coming on down there towards an RSI of 29 um, and getting below that. Now on the daily, we're at 22.69. I had this line drawn way before this moment. I drew this actually on April 19th, updated it on May 5th, and we're watching to see it crack below 23.96. That's really where I said, okay, it's not necessarily that you're gonna get a bounce today, But, yes, you are finally hitting into those oversold ranges. So now I think we put it on our radar that we could get a bounce.
2: Yeah, and I mean this is something that I don't use because I'm watching the markets every single day. So I know when we're oversold and when we're not oversold. If you're not trading the markets exactly as I am and you're coming in just here and there – maybe you need these indicators where you're looking okay well this gives you a quick visualization of the feel of the market where i'm kind of in there so i got the feel so it's a good point mitch Mm -hmm. um you know if you're just a you know not as active of the day trader maybe you want to visualize that and you want to see it but we are definitely oversold there's no doubt we are oversold we s&ps you know just to give a perspective spy 411 a Mm -hmm. week ago 411 yeah. a week ago. We're 366. You're down 50 points on the on you know 50 points on the spy. to yeah. so 500 S and P points here. You're talking about in a matter of one, two, three, four, five, six trading days. That's a cool 13% sell off in six days. The the crash. The you know talking the Black Monday crash of October 1987 was 27%. We basically did half of the crash in the last six days after already being on oversold levels. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is, you know, don't kid yourself. This market is ugly. It has priced in a pile of bad news. Bring up a stock like Square, SQ, $140. $140 less than two months ago. It's 57 bucks. I mean, and I full disclosure, I got a trading position on there, so I'm not gonna talk too much about it. But just, um, you know, looking, you know, these stocks, you know, we can bring up anything. There's a million stocks that look like that. I mean, there has been some massive, massive carnage here. So if you're coming in here and like I heard CNBC, you know, guest on there saying, oh, they're putting on hedges. You need to be hedging. Two months ago, you're putting on hedges now. What the hell, man? You're way late to the party. You got to hedge before the sell-off, not hedge after the sell-off. So, I mean, at this point in time, we are oversold. We are due for a technical bounce. That doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow, though. I like the 350 level on SPY. Eighteen mm-hmm. points down from here, if you're looking at futures obviously talking thirty five hundred oh. that was the Craig Johnson level. We love Craig. He does a good job on the show all the time. um he's made some fantastic calls. I think you know it's a logical place for us to bounce the first time. It's where I might try to press you know and try to like do a little bit of dip buying here. I think you could still be early, but nobody knows nobody knows, nobody knows the answer to where the bottom is. They ask it a hundred times a day on c n b c but nobody knows <laughs> so
1: yeah, someone know. i mean uh Please let me know because I think we all would jump on that, but definitely nobody knows here. Um, So we'll see if we get a dead cat rally here. I think one thing they start paying attention, and I think we can go ahead and touch on it, is when correlations get closer to one. And what does that necessarily mean? So Dennis, I think you're the best to actually tell us this because you do a lot of arbitrage trading and a lot of this is dependent on that. You know, when the overall market is taking control here. So what what does it mean when correlations are getting closer to that one?
2: Well, all you're saying is that, and you know, the stocks all start to move together. So, and we say when it really gets ugly, when the VIX starts to rise above 30, correlations start pulling together. And we saw it yesterday in the S&P where at one point in the morning, And I tweeted out there was 495 of the 500 S&P components were in the red. Five green ones. It was like Procter & Gamble and Walmart and... I think Dollar Tree might have been one of them that was green. But when 495 stocks out of 500 are red, that's when you know correlations are moving together. And we talked about this. Oil stocks down, you know, utility stocks down. These were playing defense before. Not anymore. When it gets ugly enough, they start selling everything. And that's what we're starting to see. So you know, that gives you a little bit of hope. And they start selling everything regardless. That's capitulatory action. We're starting to see a little bit of capitulatory action. I don't think we've seen. The bottom, personally, I don't think we've seen it yet because it's been pretty orderly. Um, I did, you know, obviously the ARKK, it's a good point. You know, when I called that bottom an ARKK back in May, 10 minutes after the open, we still have not breached that ARKK bottom. It is still held on. The only, you know, major ETF that actually has not breached. We got down to 35, 10 on ARKK, still holding 37. So you can see some of the growth stocks have just been absolutely pummeled. They aren't coming for that stuff as much as they were before. You know, like a Zoom, not really mm-hmm. selling off that much Zoom. They're coming for the stuff that hasn't sold off. And that's what we were saying. It's like rotating through the rotating crashes through the market. So, you know, you thought you were safe in utilities. No, you weren't. You thought you were safe, you know, with oil stocks and people, you know, have been in oil and has been very good. But look at Chevron last six days, 180 to 155. So you're talking about just a quiet little 25 point sell off. So, you know, I have 15% sell off in Chevron in six days. Oil didn't do that. Oil didn't sell off that much, but it's a stock, and stocks mm-hmm. start going with stocks when it starts to get ugly enough. So, again, you know, you're just not can't just say, okay, I'm going to buy oil stocks and those will hold up. Wow. Well. We're not in that market environment anymore here. We're in a market environment where they're selling everything. And that's good news because it gives you hope that maybe if they start selling everything, maybe we can make a bottom.
1: Yeah definitely I'm showing here the one week performance like a map here a heat map so you can see the one <laughs> week <laughs> Look at this look what's at this, green man. what are those little green ones All right let's talk about the little green one that's what fedex That's fedex Fed- oh yeah fedex up about 3.8% That was because of the dividend yeah Yeah because of the dividend but you see UPS there down 2.47 <laughs> Not keeping uh, up what's the one And then you see CME group
2: why is CME <laughs> holding up
1: All those CME is holding up are? man Man, that's See, crazy. My, that's my the account. only one. And then uh, maybe you can go in basic materials and find here CF. CF. Oh CF. my
2: gosh. That's just such ugly. This is one week
1: performance match. This is one week performance. Look at Apple down eight percent, Microsoft a week. down seven point four nine, Amazon down ten point seven. Uh that's that split trade. Split. Ooh, yeah, that, that post-split trade. trade I mean, uh yeah. didn't work out as much.
2: ExxonMobil down eleven <laughs> percent a week. Look
1: at the banks. You rise yeah. a point. Seven, you buy you raise 75 basis points, but JPM here is down yeah. 9.48%. Uh, Wells Fargo down 11.77% in just a week. And yeah. so uh, this has definitely been a really bad week. Look at the travel services over here. Booking oh down 18.9. Oh my gosh, booking down 19% this week. Yeah, so uh, Carnival Cruise Lines, 25%. Royal oh, Cruise in line, one week. 28%.
2: Stop and bring up that Carnival Cruise Line charts. Holy yeah, let's mackerel. Do it. Let's do it. I bought a little bit of that NCLH and then I sold out on that bounce. And thank goodness I did because it has just been an epic disaster. I mean, It's fuel prices that are hitting these things, but demand destruction, folks, is coming. Don't kid yourself. It takes time. But when people start getting stretched for cash, they're not going on their fancy cruises. Yes, the rich people will always go on the fancy cruises. But the average Joe that's a little bit more stretched for cash might just push that cruise on, or they might go on a cheaper trip. They start cutting expenses, and this is hitting you now. Demand destruction from the higher rates it was coming. It is coming, and it's going to continue to be coming here. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, you look at RCL bringing up the chart. We're approaching the <laughs> COVID lows when they were shut down yeah. and weren't even sailing. Yeah,
3: not that's C- wow. RCL,
2: maybe CCL. RCL's that's not that CCL. far either. Look yeah. at CCL. $7.80 okay. $7. Okay. April of 2020 when the boats were grounded and now 870 you're back to the covid lows yet the boats are sailing what's going mm-hmm. on folks
1: this is getting scary yeah definitely getting scary and um i at least uh you know i'm not saying that the turnaround's coming but uh this is not even extreme on the rsi here for uh, ccl so in my eyes it still has room that it can go orderly so orderly uh, sell off yeah this and when you see orderly knockout. sell-offs
2: like this, they don't just bounce back. Could this go up 10%, 15% a day? It could. It's not going to happen. But I don't know. Like, you start to get scared because let's just set up the whole scenario here. The free money scenario where everybody gets bailouts. Everybody, It's, it's kind of not there right now. The Fed put's not there. You know, back mm-hmm. in COVID times, like, okay, well, these cruise lines are going to bail these things out. I don't know if this is the case. They're getting stretched you know, on their margins. Labor costs are probably hitting them in the butt. And then you have people that are stretched for cash saying I'm going to hold off on that cruise. Is there the potential? I'm asking you, and I'm asking the chat. Is there the potential that some of these cruise lines could
1: fail? Yeah. I mean, they are uh, debt cows, right? I mean, they have a lot of debt, and the debt is getting more expensive as you keep getting higher and higher rates and um, there's going to come a point in time where maybe these companies need to raise money. Um, and so uh, keep, keep a watch on that cash burn. We'll, I, we'll see. I we'll think see how you gotta, doing.
2: I, I think you gotta sell rallies. I'm scared. Like, and you think, Oh, CCL, how can you go wrong at eight? That thing goes bankrupt, which it is possible. It's not off the table right now. It's yeah. not off the table. That some of these cruise lines could actually go bankrupt. Will they continue to operate? Yeah, they can operate through bankruptcy, but then the debt holders become the shareholders and they wipe them out. That's how it works. You know, we saw this in the financial crisis when GM reorged. Yes, GM went bankrupt and shareholders got wiped out. And then the debt holders become the shareholders. So all those people have the debt, would then get the shares, and then there's less debt involved. There could be a reorg coming here. I think that's what the market is saying. That's what the market's pricing out. We don't have a crystal ball. We don't know anything. But when you're adding up the math and you've got, you know, the most expensive fuel we have ever seen, you have labor costs, most expensive we've ever seen, and you have the consumer getting stretched and canceling stuff, that is not a good recipe to be long any cruise line right now. And the airline, same thing. Air travel's been okay. They've tried to pass it through. But people will cut back on those trips. They will cut back on those business trips as well. Same story here. I don't want to own any airlines. I don't want to own any cruise lines until we start to figure out that this inflation starts getting checked, because these airlines—they're just
1: as ugly. Yeah, the, uh, travel disaster out there. Um, Hilton down in the last two months over thirty percent. Um, it's Just to guys, give you that inside. Uh, I know a lot of people too. are trying to tell me that, that there's demand in travel. But I don't know how long it's going to last, especially the stocks are kind of, at least in my eyes, leading me to think that uh, you're going to get that demand destruction coming it's soon.
2: It's coming, man. It's There's coming not, soon. If a it matter isn't of there. If, it's when. Yeah. And yeah. again, we've only had rates. And this is why why well, I, I go out there. I see stuff still going on because the consumer, the market is looking ahead. The consumer has not been stretched for very long. And we talked about this a, a few times on the show here over the course of the last week or two. I mean, the first thing you do when you're, you know, in trouble as you start cutting out, I'm not gonna go to my restaurant, I'm not gonna do stuff like that. Then you start bringing up the credit card debt. Then you start, you know, you know, exhausting, maybe selling a couple toys or something like that. I mean, we're gonna get to that point. If the interest rates stay up here long enough, there's just too much debt on the individual consumer out there, and they're gonna feel the pinch. And the first things that are cutting out are these, you know, travel, you know, like this is like ground zero. So very scared some of the hotel stocks maybe not as you know much debt as some of these cruise lines and that i don't know i haven't dug into it but i don't want to own them either i'm staying away from travel right now as much as travel looked cool four five six months ago or a year ago when we talked about reopening it's not cool right now because people are going to be stretched demand destruction is happening and there's gonna be less people going on trips
1: yeah, this is why I said uh, be careful trying to call the dip on Airbnb. You just don't know, and you don't have levels to go off of. So I know that a lot of people are trying to call bottoms, but when I don't have any levels to go off of, and a stock is just dropping through the roof, I'll tell you one thing: I'm not trying to call the bottom on Airbnb right now. So we'll, we'll see when this turns around. But
2: Airbnb yeah. is going to be there.
1: Yeah, I, I do it's think gonna it's going to be profitable. It's going to be there. But be at there.
2: What price? valuation. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not. Don't don't be a hero. though. <laughs> yeah don't don't a hero. Play the i've hero. tried to be a hero on a few stocks right now this is not the market to be our hero in when stocks are making new all go back to our rules and mitch you know you probably mm-hmm. follow the rules that i've given out here yeah. too when stocks are making new lows you gotta go you uh, never want to own a stock making a new all-time low because I, those new lows just keep sinking and death by a thousand cuts happens way too often so you can't touch this until at least you know breaks trend starts to go higher when it's going straight down and we look at Airbnb, it's down 27 points in six trading sessions. You think, wow, is that cheap? Cheap compared to where it was. The stock is not cheap.
3: So mm-hmm.
2: is there Definitely. a way that it can eventually grow into this valuation? Yeah, absolutely. Is Airbnb going away? No, never. Is Airbnb going under? No, I don't think so. But I do think that the valuation is still extreme on a stock like this. Companies, you know, just trying, trying to turn positive, you know, cash flow positive here, or at least, you know, to show some profitability. You could be early on this trade. So, right now, being a hero on this market is just not the thing to do. It's a good way to lose money.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm glad that I got out of my trade on Airbnb. I was long right over here and above the 150s, looking for the breakout back above the trend line. And I'm glad that I respected my risk, which was this red box here. Because look at it. It could have very easily been another bag that you end up getting stuck in. Yeah, so. Like always, that's one thing that I want to kind of state right now. If you are calling the shots and you're playing a hero, make sure that you know where your pain point is, your risk spot. Like Dennis always says, know your out plan. Because in this market, if you don't know your out plan, you can get stuck holding the bag. Yeah, you get stuck holding the bag. All right, let's transition. Let's go towards the important news today. Also, I'm seeing a lot of action come out of China. So let's put up the Baba chart here. Um, why is this happening because China stocks are rebounding on ant IPO talks China central bank has accepted ants group's application to set up a financial holding company three people with the knowledge of the matter said a key step in finishing a year-long revamp of Jack Ma's fintech business reviving its stock market debut the people banks of China's uh, the the People's Bank of China expected approval of the plan in in is the latest sign of Ant and the tech giant's financial business stretching from the payments to wealth management and is poised to emerge from a regulatory crackdown. We know how beaten down these tech stocks have been in China. Now we're starting to really start seeing a little bit of a turnaround and mentions of the Ant IPO have really started making moves. This all started on kind of, uh, I would say, june 6 when we got that dd push in the news that's that little circle that you're seeing here we did find kind of a bottom near those levels now baba is really starting to bounce what are you seeing in the china action dennis not
2: chasing it here today but i will say i do like the action you know like you think about how ugly this market has been and alibaba has held up in the chinese stocks a lot of them have held up fairly well in the last three months they were the first ones killed along with every you know arkk holding um and you know for the most part that Disaster action, you know, has happened already. I feel like we've seen the lows of the year on Alibaba. The valuation is okay, if you can believe the numbers, and obviously that's always been an issue with every single stock you buy in China. Eleven um, percent. I'm not chasing it here because this is just the not not the market to chase anything in. And we know another headline come out tomorrow and be different. But I feel like China's kind of turning towards their stocks, and I think the sentiment is changing here too. Where they're not saying so much bad, they're not doing so much regulation, you know. And this is, you know, a bigger thing. That's why China's trading up. It's not just about ant. It's about less regulation because we know they're very restrictive on their companies over there. So if they could get this ant IPO off the ground. That gives confidence into investing in China here again. I think I'd be a buyer pullbacks in Alibaba, but you know, not. I'm again. I don't know if I'm buying anything, but I wouldn't be, you know, coming in here and saying yeah, sell, sell, rah, rah. One twenty is a big level. If it got up to there, it's probably a sell again. Uh, but I, I do like the relative strength in Alibaba.
1: Yeah, I feel like that 100's holding well after we got that breakout towards 120 um, after that kind of gap up. We filled the gap. And we started kind of going sideways here so the price action coming back on up is is looking good for me here let's take a look at the 15 minutes so we can see a little bit of the pre-market you can see how we're already kind of pushing there in the pre-market i would go towards the hourly and i know joe would like me to do that one there too uh, so look for maybe potential moves back down closer towards this one ten fifty. That's what I'd be looking for, kind of a red to green, because in, in my eyes, I feel like the price action has already gone a pretty good amount here, about 7.17% in the pre-market. So you could see a little bit of a retrace. Of course, it could just come on back through the highs here. If you take a look at the hourly, where's the next resistance for me? I would put it up here towards one uh, 1390s 114 level that's where we could see maybe a little push up and then a retrace we'll see how baba trades today of course this is going to affect stocks like uh, pdd you could watch jd today Um, these stocks are already up showing strength in pre-market let's take a look how the autos are reacting also to this because nio has been beaten down coming on back here has big resistance right here on the hourly right above it around 2043s or 2050. So look to see if you can get above those levels today. And of course, Chinese stocks have a, a tendency of trading hand in hand. So you can watch XPEV. Um, there's also, of course, plenty of, of uh, kind of other, uh, whether you're trading PDD or JD. Take a look at a lot of these. And what I like to do is I like to keep multiple of them up to watch. There's one that's taking lead and then maybe find the laggard type of trade. We'll see what happens on these, Dennis. Mitch, um, one thing to
2: consider with the China stocks too is mm-hmm. valuations on these things are not stretched. I mean, mm-hmm. we have seen, you know, the biggest thing with higher interest rates you get is multiple contraction, where you start seeing the Ps come in. And it's not just from bringing the E down, but the actual willing, you know, the, the money that people are willing to pay for those earnings is less because obviously time value money's consideration. A lot of these Chinese stocks have been trading with reasonable valuations for years. We're not in this stretched, you know, bubble like the U.S. markets that needed to burst. I mean, you can bring up the EEM over the last 10 years. We've gone nowhere. I mean, it's been a decade of pain where really in the EEM, we've gone absolutely nowhere. So there's no bubble to burst here. So this is why these stocks in China are not getting hit like the stocks over here. We're bursting the U.S.-North American bubble. That is not the case with China. These Mm -hmm. stocks have been beat up for years. Now, you know, do you want to buy the perennial underperformers? The stocks have gone nowhere for 10 years. Um, You know, I've tried that, you know, before and it hasn't worked out well. But with that being said, I mean, there's not these inflated valuations
1: coming in that there is in the North American markets. Definitely something to keep on watch and yeah, maybe you're watching, uh, stocks like, uh, C web today. Uh, this is the internet two times leverage bull. If you're looking for maybe day trades on out there, remember this is leverage. So I'll, I'll kind to keep watch of this today, um, on my live trading action, but we'll see what happens on out there. Let's go ahead. Let's transition a little bit here. Um, Want to go into a short topic? Don't want to go into a longer topic here because we're going about to bring on CC Lagathor and get into some quad witching talk. Yes, it's Quad Witch Friday, guys. So super excited to get into that. Let's talk a little bit about Revlon here um, as shares are trading higher following a report here. Um, so Revlon trading higher following a report suggesting that Reliance Industries is potentially looking considering a buyout um after this company reported bankruptcy it's up there towards 345 and you can definitely see how this kind of rose up in the pre-market big action here in the pre-market was down there towards 177 now trading up there towards three dollars it's up about 90 percent right now it's the hope trade
2: so we're on the hope trade squeeze the shorts that we're short the thing you know two days ago saying well it's bankrupt it's going to zero we've learned the hard way on this show bankrupt stocks don't go to zero they usually go into the pennies then they go off exchange and they do different things. It's never wise to come in and start shorting a dollar stock at ninety-five because stuff like this happens. There's a hope trade all of a sudden. You know, am I coming here and putting all my investment money in Revlon and saying, OK, yeah, they're going to get bought and it's going to be OK? No, if I was long in the stock, I would use this to sell it. But it's always scary to short stocks that are under three, four bucks because these violent little moves happen. You know, and obviously, there's a lot of people who don't short stocks. I short stocks every single day. I trade hedged. But I know when I'm shorting a stock under $5, is a hell of a lot more risk. A lot of companies don't even allow them to be marginable below $5 for that risk. So when you're shorting a stock at $1.95, the best you can do is go to zero and make your $1.95. In this case, somebody just blew up and they're losing 75% of their money. So, I mean, just because of a rumored headline that somebody might buy it. So just, you know, lesson learned, stocks that go bankrupt don't necessarily go immediately to zero.
1: Definitely. We've had that lesson kind of also with Hertz. (laughs) Yeah, the Hertz. Again and
2: again, we've been taught that lesson. The hard way, you know, like we've seen so many stocks, Mitch, that, you know, they go bankrupt and they somehow figure it out. I mean, PCG, PG&E was bankrupt. It's still 10 bucks, Literally. They're figuring it out different ways. Not all stocks, when they go bankrupt, are zeros. Sometimes, you know, assets to be salvaged. It's Sometimes, you know, different bids can come in. There's different things that can happen. Some absolutely Sometimes go to zero. Sometimes they come back. <laughs> Sometimes they come back. Sometimes they reorg, you know, and then yeah. so, you know, obviously that's not good for the equity holders. Like we were saying, you know, it's a potential to happen in something like a CCL. But I mean, yeah, you know, it's not necessarily just bankrupt equals zero. That's not an algorithm out there you should be writing.
1: Oh, I thought that was. Hold on a second. Then let me Get go right mine. Throw that one out. <laughs> Throw that one out. Okay. Throw Sorry that one about out. that, guys. We'll, we'll keep working on that one. All right, let's go ahead. I, I think we're ready to go in, into some uh, quad witching talk. But before I, I kind of bring on CC, um, at least for your kind of trading, Dennis, h- how does the kind of the witching hour kind of affect you?
2: Um, again, it's just increased volatility. So you got to be aware. And like I said, you know, I just, you know, hinted, you know, the way I approach the open and the close, a lot of times if stocks are opening too high, you got big imbalances, I will shorten to those rallies. If stocks are opening too low, I will be a net buyer into those dips, so I'm obviously trying to avoid news, not saying you're going to short Baba because it's up 10 bucks; it's going up. Saying stocks that don't have news and they're just moving because of market effects, those moves tend to mean revert. So, you know, that's the strategy, especially on the close, same thing. You know, I'm fading those clothes, you get crazy. I, I've, been, I've seen situations where like Johnson & Johnson's gapped up 3 bucks on the closing print, not saying that's going to happen. And, you know, you short that and boom, you know, after hours, five minutes, you know, five seconds later, it's already down a dollar fifty from the closing print because it was just absurd. So there's sometimes sometimes some really crazy ones. Most part, you know, maybe a stock gap's up 20, 30, 40 cents. You know, maybe it's not a big deal. Maybe, you know, stock gap's up 2, 3% on the close. Sometimes there is an opportunity there. We're in increased volatility right now. So that that possibility is there. But let's bring cc on and let's see how he approaches this from the options perspective
1: let's do it that's what we want to do is bring on some uh, option experts here so we reached out to cc lagathor let's go ahead let's bring him on co-founder at options ai how we doing cc
4: good great to see you guys
1: welcome welcome let's go ahead it's uh, it's definitely an exciting day i'm sure in your eyes i'm sure you're going to be watching to see what happens in the what they call the witching hour let's yeah. say um, so let us know what have you seen during these days that investors should keep their eyes on. We're driven by the search for better, but when it
5: comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
4: Yeah, happy quad witching to all that celebrate. Ooh. We celebrate. <laughs> now, <laughs> I think Dennis has it pretty, pretty um, spot on there where, it, you know, you get that weird opening print, right? And that's like the futures and all expiring and you know that not is not necessarily the trend for the day right That that is a print where all of that settlement is happening and then that last hour it's um you know from an options i'm a former options market maker it's you know it's crazy but every expiration is crazy but this one is you know between the witching uh aspect of it but then also the fact that this is the friday after the fed meeting right so people had been looking to that for a long time. So there's a ton, like the the actual volume of uh, options positions today. If you like look on a chart versus other expiries, it's massive compared to those. So what a, a normal witching day would do is, it, you know, there's no, there's some great branding going on there, right? It's really fun to say triple witching, and it gets great headlines and things like that. But it's. Um, the predictive power of what's going to happen on that day is really exaggerated. I find when I'm reading articles or seeing people on TV and all talking about it, but what you can guarantee is massive volume compared to normal days, right? And then as like what Dennis was alluding to towards the end of the day, you might see some crazy moves, um, you know, that just happen like within like 10 minutes. Uh, Where you're like, why? Like, I can't believe that stock just, you know, ripped two dollars, you know, on no reason. And what that tends to be is, you know, for the audience, the way options expiry works is um, everything's either going to end up zero deltas or 100 deltas. And what's happening at the end of the um, day as you're approaching expiration is as stocks are moving and they're crossing those boundaries of those strikes and the, you know, the overall ETFs and the indices and all, you're quickly moving from something that was 10 minutes ago, hundred deltas, and now is is zero deltas. And you're seeing the market makers and everybody that's, you know, trying to balance their books, they're having to race to trade stock. And that's when you're seeing those air pockets and then you'll see things like pins around a strike and all. So that kind of stuff, Gets pretty tricky, and if you're on a market maker, it's a, it's a nightmare. Like that last 15 minutes, because you're you're just like hammering, you know, trying to stay delta neutral, and yeah. all. And that's that's what you're seeing is those market makers like panicking almost in the in the close. And so, from a retail trading perspective, the thing I always talk about in that last hour, um, the stuff that you thought might have been safe, and like you know, let's say you sold something out of the money you got to be really careful because that thing could move, you know, in that last 15, 10, 15 minutes of the day and even after hours. Right. And that's why they, they sort of give you that last 15 minutes like in queues and spy and all is because, you know, spy might close below the 80 strike. And then after hours it might be trading 81 and a half, you know, like above your 80 strike. So you got to be really careful on those sorts of things. But as far as, you know, like the, predictive nature of like what's going to happen today, you know, I have a hunch that with the market bid up today, uh, to, you know, on the open, that might be some of the, you know, if the dealers are short, a lot of puts, you know, I think they've been obviously, you know, a lot of people are buying puts, you know, those deltas start to change overnight because the market isn't down 500 points, you know, pre-market. And so they have to like sort of adjust their positions. That could be what's going on with like a little bit of a drift higher into the open is, you know, they're out buying stock to cover, you know, um, you know, the, the, del- the change in delta of their positions overnight. And that happens throughout the day is as those deltas are going to zero and 100, you'll see those like sort of swooshes and moves. But to say like, you know, it normally does this, like it's impossible to know.
1: Yeah, definitely. So uh, we got an interesting uh, comment in the chat. Of course, they, they want to know, how can you approach a day like today with options and maybe some strategy outlook here um, on a quad witching Friday?
4: Well, and then the other thing I just remembered is Monday is a holiday, right? Yes, yeah. it makes it even, go.
1: Even, even bigger, right?
4: It's even weirder. So like if you're looking at those um, like roles and all, So typically you have like, you know, volatility was inflated going into the Fed meeting, right? So everything was sort of pumped. The market did that weird relief rally after the Fed and volatility kind of got crushed a little bit across, you know, and it was, you know, which is typical, right? Like there was less uncertainty. We knew what the Fed was doing. That totally reversed the next day as stocks got hammered, right? So now you're going into this expiry with vol inflated, in a way that I think probably people didn't anticipate. They probably felt that like Thursday vol would come in hard after the Fed. And then you're going into this where everybody's like looking to roll. And the the way the volatility looks right now is this week is really high, next week's pretty high. And then it's, you know, it's curving downward, obviously. A, A typical vol environment's the other way. It's like the VIX is at 16 and then the futures are at 20, you know, out four months, it's the opposite now, right? So those roles that are happening, people now have to account for a three day weekend, right? Because you only get four trading days next week, which generally depresses volatility. So I'd be like looking at, I'd be looking at that, like the IV levels of the next couple of weeks. And there's probably some opportunity in there where, you know, you're getting, everything's super expensive. And one of the things I've been looking at recently to, you know, Dennis, you or both of you all were talking earlier about the fact that, like, you know, the market's down like 11% in like a couple of days, right? Crazy. So if you look at like the levels back to the upside, let's say if you're somebody that's like just literally just a, a temporary bottom, right? A temporary reversal. Mm-hmm. If you look at like the cues, right? So the 290 level, is that right? The, um, I'll put it up here. Yeah, like the 290 level. The, the interesting thing with options right now is I would, you know, I would really be thinking small ball, right? Mm-hmm. And t- not taking like a massive amount of risk of any sort of sustained, you know, rally or even like at this point, like, a, a you know, you're, you've, you're down so far so fast, you know, playing for another like 10% lower is really tough to put like a lot of money behind those kinds of positions. But the the small ball stuff gets really interesting here. So if you go up to like that 290 level in the queues, those calls, you know, out a couple of weeks are probably trading three, four, five dollars or something like that. If you do like a $1 wide spread, you might be able to put a trade on up there for like 20 cents, right? Which means like you can buy like a, a $4 call and you can sell the next strike higher at like 380. If... If the cues do like a reversal and, you know, end up in the next couple of weeks or, you know, head towards two, above 290, which doesn't seem very far away, right? We were there like two days ago. It's, um you know, you could make five to one, right, on a trade like that. And you're risking so little compared to anything out the, at the money, right, which is going to be you're going to be spending $10 on an option or $15. Mm -hmm. And you're not buying a $4, you know, out of the money call with a very low probability where you're probably going to end up, you know, in most cases, you're going to end up losing a lot of money on a call like that unless you get a huge sustained rally. So that kind of small ball is very interesting. Now, because volatility is elevated on the downside, I'd be very careful of, you know, doing credit put spreads like far out of the money, right? or credit mm-hmm. or you know cash secured puts and things like that that's there's a term in options trading like picking up pennies off the train track and that is a very dangerous business to be in right now because and you've seen that this past week like if you had looked at the options market what the options market was pricing last week you know it wasn't even close to an 11 percent move right yeah. it was pricing like a three percent move And so, if you're selling out of the money thing, you know, like little puts and things like that, you Mm -hmm. have to be, you know, I basically I wouldn't be doing that. Now, if you were like looking at oversold levels, Mitch, like you were talking about, like when you see that RSI just like Mm -hmm. you know 15 or whatever, yeah, and and you want to take, and then let's say at that point the VIX is 40, right? Like, and it's it just seems like that maybe capitulation moment or something like that then you know from a credit spread point like you could do something close to the money where it's basically like 50 you're getting close to 50 50 odds right so you're you're essentially doing um you know you're risking 400 or 600 or 550 to make 450 and it's almost like just sort of buying you know, buying the market at that point. And so, but at least you're, you know, you're not doing something where you're risking a lot to make a little in a market that's crazy.
2: I mean, that's the the one thing, and I've always said this about options writing, it works so well, obviously in a flat market, it's the best strategy or in a slow trending market can work too, but when you get these violent sell-offs, yeah. you're taking on all the risk yep. and you're not getting all the returns. So it throws out your risk reward. I mean, this is where put writers are starting to, you know, Holy cow, this has been working for me for the last yeah. three years. I just write puts and they're losing, and you can lose years of profits here if you're not smart about it. Exactly. So, I mean, you think you've got a strategy that's worked for three, four years, and like I've figured out the markets, and all of a sudden you get into a market environment like this, and you're getting absolutely punished. I've seen traders blow out their accounts doing right. this exact strategy and just give back, you know, four or five years of gains because right. they got too aggressive on the putt writing. Yeah, and it's it's one of those
4: things where you know typically the way you want to trade options in a normal market and like this is the way a market maker would position is you know like when the vix is 15 you are long volatility even though market makers even hate to be long volatility with the vix 15 they just hate it in general they'd rather be short but anyway when it goes the vix is 35 or something then you're short volatility but here's the thing You know, the VIX has been volatile. I'm just using the VIX as a shortcut to overall volatility, but like the VIX has been going basically 35 to 25, like on rallies and sell-offs and things like that. Does anybody see that ending like anytime soon and the VIX going back to like 16? No, right? And so this this has already been sustained for months and it's probably going to keep going that way, Uh, even on rallies because nobody's going to trust rallies, right? Until inflation starts ticking down. Yes. So most rallies at this point are going to be some sort of capitulation on sentiment, right? Like the, the world cannot be more hawkish on what the Fed is going to do, right? Like that could be a, you know, like a temp like a bounce moment. But I think Dennis, you've been saying this on Twitter for like a month and a half. Dennis got a really good Twitter feed. For the folks at home, but it's a they, you know, place. there's no <laughs> sustained route. <laughs> there's no sustained rallies until, <laughs> until like inflation starts ticking down, right? Because so. nobody's going to yeah. trust it. Yeah. And Definitely. so, you know, those sorts of things, like that small ball mentality, and that, that's what's cool about options. Is like typically, I would be like, "Oh, you got to sell ball when it's high. You got to do all yeah. this kind of stuff." you know, the, the cool thing about options is it's, it's not binary, right? Like you can switch up your mentality. And so that sort of thing about like, you know, I want to play for a bounce. What about like a $1 wide call spread where I'm only risking 20 cents. You can still make five, you know, five times, right. If you're right. And so that kind of small ball, I really kind of, you know, I really like that in environments like this.
1: Definitely. I like how you're bringing in the small ball there. And um, definitely, sure. I, I also like how you're mentioning there, you know, uh, a lot of times when investors hear about options, the first thing they hear, of course, is selling premium, right? Selling premium. But you got to know a market environment you're in. Um, yeah. Because if you don't, and you just heard that, and you came on in, and you just started selling a bunch of premium yeah. at a time like this, that's where you could really see pain on yeah. the side of that strategy. So, Appreciate you definitely mentioning that as, as a person that it doesn't trade options on a daily, that's one thing that I've always heard. And then in a moment like this, it's kind of the opposite here as we're looking yep. at it.
4: Yep. Yeah. And that point, um, you know, like that moment that you do want to do that is that moment where you're essentially, it's the mentality that if I'm wrong, it's as if I bought the market here. Right. So, that moment when you know the levels you all were talking about earlier like I mean everybody's staring at those pre-pandemic highs right mm-hmm. like in queues and spy and anything yeah. it's Definitely. like if if the market got down there and you were taking a shot or it at a level in between here and there you know then it might be time for the credit put spread that's kind of at the money but those you know, that, that risk reward is basically 50, 50 at that point, like it, it's either, it's either going to bounce or it's going to go down another 10%. And so you got to have that kind of mentality that it's essentially like you stepped in and just bought everything.
1: Definitely. So I, I will put out there, uh, definitely guys, check out options AI, you guys can go to it. Um, I'm going to throw up the link actually straight up in the chat so you guys can check that on out for yourself. Um, But where else can they find you, CC, if they want to kind of keep up with your everyday commentary? Yeah,
4: so at Options Learn on Twitter, and um, I'm on uh, I'm on the I'm big on the Reddit. Oh, the Reddit life on the Reddit. (laughs) Look
1: at that, guys! I I know there's some Reddit fans in my uh, chat out there, so uh, they'll definitely find you. What's the What's the handle for uh, the Reddit? Reddit?
4: It's just CC Lagator.
1: Hey, I know yeah. that they're going to start looking that up. So thank you, CC, like yeah. always. Uh, the co-founder yeah, of that. Options AI. Check it on out. And he lives in a place that I got married, so I love it there. Really? Yeah, nothing like uh, Boulder, man. Nice. Definitely. Uh, I, I love guy, it man. there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's one of my favorite places. I was I was actually in, in, in the Springs for a little while, but okay, uh, yeah. kind of missed <laughs> out. But I'll be back there. I think I'm going back uh, to watch a Lumineers concert. At oh, Coors nice, field, of
4: course so. field yeah there's a big there's a big trader community out here
1: yeah definitely without a doubt guys a lot of those guys yeah Yeah. jake is there definitely uh we'll we'll do a meetup
2: we've had jake on the show yeah Yeah,
1: we'll do a meetup thank you for coming on cc we'll have you back on and we'll see how the witching hour hits today
2: nice great to see you guys thanks cc
1: all right, guys. So I love the way he
2: colors it too. Like, you know, yeah, he does. Um, You know, just from the options perspective, being able to color, you know, why this stuff and why we see the action that we're seeing happening, you know, and the Delta to the zero to the 100. I mean, you know, CC hitting it out of the park again. We love CC.
1: Yeah, definitely destroying it. And um, one of the things that I love is that you can see here, he's not just sticking to one strategy. You know, you'll sometimes hear some options people and they'll just be like, well, you know, I'm just going to stick to my same strategy that I've been doing uh, when the bull market was on. And I love how you can flip there and talk about you man. strategy. you got be to flex. Flexible. you got
2: to be able. That's what keeps you in this game is strategy adaption, adapting to your market environment. If you're doing the same thing, you continue to do the same thing, eventually you'll be out of a job. You got to be all rotating and you got to be, you know, go on your play buckets. Why I'm successful still in these markets too is because I've been through the playbook. I've been through, you know, the tech bubble burst. I've been through the financial crisis. I've been through bear markets. I know how to play them. So, you know, it's why I feel like I got an edge. And it's why I feel like I'm profitable every month. My trading account for that reason, people asking, you know, are you still making money? Yeah, I think I'm up like four and a half percent so far this month. It's been a little bit tougher month so far, but that's still tracking. Well, I mean, you're 17. So, yeah. I mean, this is in the trading account. The long term investment account, guys, it's long only it's going with the market. When the market's down, I have a little lower beta, so I'm not quite down as much as the market. I can go check it if you wanted to, but I'm definitely down in my long-term investment account, even though, you know, I've got the big cash chunk. I still own Amazon. I still own Apple. I still own Google. I still, I sold my Microsoft, but I still own the Qs. I'm getting hit there too in the long-term investment account. Don't kid yourself. But, you know, as a trader, that's a different story. I try to like, you know, with money I make trading, I put it in the long-term, buy good companies, reasonable valuations. I hope that builds wealth over time. Where you know I'm the trading. This is my active income.
1: All right, let's go towards the last headline we're going to touch today. Let's go into X here because uh, X is going to give it to you. At least that's what I always say on uh, uh, live trading. Let's take a look here. U.S. State Steel Corporation today provided second quarter 2022 guidance. Here, uh, second quarter 2022 adjusted EBITDA is expected to be approximately 1.6 billion, a new all-time second quarter performance here second quarter 2022 adjusted net earnings per diluted shares were expected to be in the range of $3.83 to $3.88 uh comments here by the the CEO here we expect to continue delivering record performance in the second quarter with each business segment meaningfully contributing to profitability
2: um, it was good news. The stock popped. Like, I mean, this is all good news. It just tells you how much of a bad environment that we're in. If this would have happened three months ago, U.S. deal would be up 20% on this. But it doesn't matter. You're in a bear market now. And the good news is sold. I mean, we got up to, what, or $21 after hours immediately on the headline. News Algo is just too excited. And, you know, we sold off from them a little bit. It's still good news. I mean, U.S. Steel is saying, hey, our stocks went down from 38 to 19 and cut in half, but we're not seeing it. We're still seeing. But I think the market knows better. I think the market is looking and saying, hey, demand destructions coming, U.S. Steel. There's going to be less demand for steel if that demand destruction comes. And even though you might think your guidance, you know, you're going to you know, be making more money next quarter or, you know, going out, you're thinking you're OK. I think the market's still reading that, hey, you get into a recession, U.S. Steel is going to suffer still
1: yeah definitely one of the things that i'll be watching is that it does have a little bit of a shadow on up here on the hourly you can look at on the daily you'll still see the same thing i'm using the hourlies to see kind of these levels you can see it's been fighting to hold above 21 21 23 is definitely uh, some resistance right now let's see if we can start getting up above that into the shadow zone here um, and then that could potentially maybe close on up there towards 22 it's oversold Mitch, but. the good news
2: is it's oversold. And if the market goes to turn or we hold up here today, which I'm skeptical of, a stock like this could lead the way. So this isn't just necessarily, oh, it's up 5%. I'm going to short it. Because you know what? This actually was good news. They're coming out defending the guidance. They've sold the stock from 37. The stock's been cut in half in a month and a half. Yeah. And the company's raising guidance. So, I mean, there is definitely a disconnect there. I think I read a little bit farther that if we go into a recession, U.S. Steel is going to be in trouble. But I don't know if the traders are going to read that far into it here yet. So I wouldn't be surprised if this holds up today.
1: A couple monthly lows around the 2075 level. So they could find some support right above it here. We'll see if it gets a little push into the 21s today. Um, we'll keep on watch U.S. Steel uh, if- raising their guidance here.
2: If we go to back to the overall market, if you want to know why we continue Hello. to leak here this morning, we have had sell imbalances since 8 a.m. Obviously, New York Stock Exchange stocks come out with their sell imbalances at 8 a.m., an hour and a half before the open. They've been sells all morning. And I mm-hmm. think traders were thinking, well, they're going to flip here eventually. They're going to flip, and they haven't flipped. And I think it's starting to spook traders a little bit. And I think they're buying stocks and selling futures here. Um, some stocks are you know, not trading up nearly as much as they were here. So you're seeing the futures, this steady leak here as these sell imbalances. Um, they've gotten a little smaller than they were, but they're still sell imbalances. What does the sell imbalance mean? It means if the stocks were open at this moment in time, there's more sellers on the open relative to the closing price than there is buyers, meaning those stocks would open down. So, I mean, well, you start seeing stocks open down. On a day that the market's up 0.6%, there's a huge arbitrage opportunity, Now that might not last. All it takes is a couple of big option players. All it takes is a couple of big, you know, equity, big hedge funds come in and go buy them, and these can all flip to buy. So I, on, on a day like this, it's hard to put a lot of weight into these early imbalances, but I think the steady leak here is due to the fact that we haven't seen a lot of offsetting action to these huge sell imbalances that were posted over an hour ago. So, you know, this is information you can get if you subscribe to the New York Stock Exchange and balance feed, you can get this information. It's get an edge. I mean, you it's, need. it's out there. It is, it's tools you need. I mean, again, on a day like this, I don't put a lot of weight into it. I can't say, oh, FCX got 600,000 to sell. So it's necessarily going to go down, you know, and there's a pile of them there. I, it's, it's hard to say. All it takes is, you know, one buyer to come in and they can offset that in a hurry. So a lot of times you do see the stuff pair off. It's going to be big players. But at this moment in time, the
1: imbalances don't look that great. Well, the dogs are barking in the Holy background. Mackerel, you have the a dog dogs miss? are barking. I have two dogs, but they're usually I good. Know that. What kind of dogs you um, got? I, I have a, a red healer and then kind of like a lab mix. Uh, but if you don't know healers, healers are the, one of the best animals on out of there. Do it's Australian cattle dog. No, they like to bite the cow, the cows on the heel. And they're really short, so they oh. they, they mess with the cows. They're like, yeah, get, get moving. Um, that's why they're called healers because they yeah, bite at the heel. heels. Heel <laughs> um, but it, it could have been what you're talking about—the imbalance—or like Eagle says, Jim Cramer just tweeted bullish. So <laughs>
2: everybody sells the Cramer indicator. <laughs> the he's Kramer right indicator sometimes, folks. Out there, you know, uh, like he does a lot, a lot better job than Kathy does. So um, he's not down on everything. He gets uh, some good ones too. I mean, we give Ch- Jim Cramer some heat. It's kind of fun, but we give Jim Cramer some love too. I'm gonna tell you one thing there's no better entertainer than jim kramer i mean cnbc would be so boring without jim kramer i think that's he's all entertaining he is nowadays, he's got but. energy you know i envy jim kramer for his market knowledge is second to none he brings up a stock and he knows the fundamentals on these companies the guy knows a lot he's made some bad calls lately sure but we all have yeah, so you he, know we give jim kramer some heat it's fun to say oh the inverse kramer etf and all the other stuff that's kind of fun but bottom line is that guy's got a lot of market knowledge he's been in the markets a long time and he's a hell of an entertainer
1: the only thing i got to give him a little hell on today is i'll give him a hell on his uh coin call out remember when he was bullish coin uh i, I posted it up on. oh i have
2: his bullish coin too i have a bag holder i bought this he, thing when i he thought it was like cheap enough and then i the crypto collapse <laughs> I had a well, small, small piece and coin should have obviously sold it and I've bag hold held this thing all the way down the bag holds that I've got in the crypto universe. I had the high blockchain because we know Buddy Frank Holmes, oh. I sold a bunch of it, I made a lot of money on it near the highs and I held a piece, I shouldn't have held the piece, high blockchain has come all the way down. Coinbase, I was up in that one for a while, too. And then just leaky, 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 leaky. And stock, you know, value trap. You know, you get caught and you think, oh, there's reasonable valuations. But obviously, volume's imploded and everything else, and it came back in. But diversification in the long-term account. I mean, trading account, I would never let that happen. Long-term account, I've got some bags in there. I try to work out of some bags. I try to, you know, just have the good stocks at reasonable valuations. But, you know, I've got some bags in there. I had a few growthy names that just, you know, got slammed on me. But uh, one of the worst ones for sure, Coinbase. You know, yeah. I think I'm down like 70% and And it's a hell of a lot smaller piece now. It doesn't even really do damage because it's went down so much. It's pretty small in there now. Um, you know, if it wasn't, the one consideration is like, and I have two long-term accounts. So if you just want to know, I have my trading account. I have two long-term accounts. One's inside my RSP, which is like an IRA, and one's outside the RSP. The outside one, because I can write stuff off, I always get rid of the bags every year. But on the inside one, it's all taxable money. So I hold bags in there sometimes because I don't get any benefit from writing it off. You can't write anything off inside that thing in your side your RSP. So it probably does a detriment to me that, you know, I think I'm like, nah, no sense, Sound, I can't write it off anyways. On, on the other side, I'm always like, okay, well, I got some big gains here. I want to write off some losses. So every year come December, I'm like, what do I got in that long-term account that I don't want in there on the, the, the non RSP, the non-registered money? I'm like, oh, I got this, this. So then I dump those ones because I'm like trying to bring down my tax bill.
1: One of the things I'll mention, uh, and I saw a comment yesterday. So it looks like hood now has more cash on balance than it is worth. That's a little interesting there, Dennis. What, What are they saying? Uh, I, I saw comments out there on Twitter that a uh, hood now has more cash. Like, I don't on know anything,
2: if that's the than, case or not.
1: Then the market cap on hoods. So, yeah,
2: uh, there's debt in there too. I don't think that's the case. I think that's wrong, but I'd have to go check it out. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to check that like, out. Oh, yeah, we so have more something... cash. You got a lot of debt. Maybe you got some cash. Like you got to <laughs> yeah, well, look at, you know what the debt well, is as well. I can't just we'll look see at what You could borrow, borrow $5 million and say, okay. hey, I got $5 million in cash, but is that really your money? So <laughs> I think you got to look at that.
1: that's all I got to say. We'll see what happens with hood. Um, So imbalances here,
2: we continue to leak. The imbalances are still all to the sell side. Mm -hmm. They need to find some buyers here in a hurry or this market's going to give it all back. So I'm hoping we're going to find some buyers here and the market's not going to give it all back. But again, you know, as a trader here, I try to stay market neutral as much as I possibly can. You know, if you want to learn more about, you know, my active trading, we've got it at premarketprep.com. We've got those educational videos. You helped us with those, Mitch, as well. Um, There's three or I think there's three webinars that we did, which were three hours each, about 10 hours. We're going to have to do a new one, man. We do. We got to get back on there. People are requesting. It's just been so busy in the markets and so busy with everything else. My house bill is going to end here eventually that I just haven't had the time to jump in there. But I mean, this market is leaking and these imbalances are not helping.
1: All right. Well, thank you. Like always wanted to give a special thank you to Dennis. I know it's been a little bit of a rough week dealing with those crypto guys on out there, but I wanted oh, to tell man, you
2: me up, personally, and I know the chat,
1: Hey, I'll tell you one thing Dennis. Twitter might be something else, but I'll tell you one thing. The chat here definitely appreciates you. I always see them stepping love up the chat, man. You guys are awesome. We support you, Dennis. Keep doing what you're doing for us. Keep bringing us the news. Keep seeing the action on out there and keep doing what you do best. Thanks, Mitch. You too, buddy. June you're doing June June a great June. job.
2: You're doing a great job. We appreciate you.
1: All right, guys. That's going to do it for us here on Pre-Market Prep. Oh, I look like I already gave Dennis the book. Long,
2: long, long weekend, don't forget. We got Juneteenth, long so weekend, Monday guys. off. So
1: no Monday. Be we'll be back on Tuesday. All right, guys, Uh, that's going to do it for us here on pre-market prep. But up next, you guys got all access. I will be jumping on there around 1040 to give a market review. So all my live traders, come on over to all access. I'll be also in the chat uh, throwing up some stocks that I'll be looking for some trading. And I got something special for you guys. Now, one thing, of course, Joel is going to be out today. So I appreciate it if you guys could reach out to Joel, give him some love. Of course, we kind of mentioned what happened in the earlier part of the show, but definitely reach out to Joel and give him some loves. But what I wanted to do to give back to you guys on out there is we're going to do a little bit of some quad witching hour trading. Um, Normally, we do live trading after after kind of pre-market prep, but we're going to actually be looking at some live trading and looking at the live action going into the quad witching hour. And that's going to be with Ryan Faluna and I at 3 p.m. Eastern today. So stick around, guys. I'm going to do a lot. I'm going to keep it going for you guys out there. Smash the like and head on over to All Access. All right, that's going to start up at around, I think we're starting actually at 9.15. Let me just confirm there. There you go. Yeah, 9.15, we're going to start on up. But I'll take a look at the overall market here Um Let's go ahead. Let's take a look at what are we seeing in the overall market going into the open here. All right. So we can see consumer defenses is what led yesterday. So I'll go ahead up and throw up the chart. Let me know if there's a stock you guys want to go ahead and talk about. I'll, I'll go ahead and check it on out. You're going to move us all over to the next show. Of course, I'll always do it. Um, we got the redirect on there. So if you got automatic videos, they will just start on up. If not, just click the next thumbnail you see right there at the end of the video that will bring you to our next video and continue the day going. We don't stop here at Benzinga. We're on all day, baby. So let's stay right here. Let's take a look at some of the stocks that are moving and see what you guys see on out there. So yesterday, PG had a good day. Um, we'll see if consumer defensives can make another move on up. If this happens, I would expect to see some down action in the market, but have also Consumer defensives have been leaking even when we're getting that downside action, So you just never know right now. Let's take a look at a stock like AMD. AMD definitely got beat down yesterday all the way down there towards 82. A lot of people were thinking that this was going to be able to hold the 100 when we got back above there. But you can see here now we're back below these lows here at 84.25. Let's see what the low here is specifically, 8402. So that's going to be the level on the upside uh, that we're going to look to see if we can get back above. Can we get back above that 8405, 8402 level and then really start seeing the stock get a little bit of a bounce on up? You can see here in pre-market, there's definitely some resistance right above here. I'm going to actually draw it on up based on these candles that are grouped here. Uh, so above 84.20, I could see maybe a little push on up here going towards the 87. But right now it is looking like it's in a bearish trend and trying to crack back down there towards the 82. All right. Uh, what about the AMC? The, I'll get, I got you. I don't mind uh, getting into that. Uh, let's take a look here. AMC. AMC is coming on down there from the $12, looking like it's in a little bit of a short-term bearish trend here. Uh, We'll see if it can crack here and keep holding here. You can see here how when you crack this trend line, you really started coming on down. So I think it needs to get back above 12. if You're going to see some positive. But right now you're seeing that negative around that rejection of 12. You can see here how it rejected to get above 12. 11.99, 11.99. And then boom, it breaks through the low. So 1193s is a support there right now, heading down there towards the 1180s could continue on the downside heading towards, let's say, 1160s uh, today. We'll see what happens on AMC as it keeps breaking on down here. It's already breaking down here as we're seeing it literally as it happens. All right. Let's take a look here. I took a look at the cues already, Donald. So if you want to watch that, you could probably rewind on that one. Baba, we already talked about also uh, looking positive today. I like it um, as long as it can keep holding that DD bottom action, Uh, but let's keep going. Is there any other stocks being mentioned? Amazon? Let's go. All right, Amazon coming from that 105 down there towards the 103s. You can tell here that 101.50s around that level, we're going to look to see if that breaks today on the downside. That would definitely bring some continuation towards that downside. You can see you've had multiple lows around this area. I'm going to actually draw it up here towards this close here and see if we're going to actually start breaking through there. There's a couple of wicks down there below 102.80s. So look for that breakdown through the low of yesterday, 102.01, uh, to see if we can get some downside continuation in Amazon. Right now, it looks like the stock split trade has been definitely off. I showed it earlier today. Amazon's down about 10% on the week. Beans and rice for me because the inflation's too high. I can't blame you, my friend. Uh Uh, Salesforce coming on down here, filling up that gap up. So definitely that gap was filled real quickly after a push back there towards 190. Now we can look to see if we take out the lows here. There's multiple lows that it bounced off of around the 155 level. That's what I'd be watching what's in play if you continue to see this downside action. What could actually get me a little bullish If you draw a trend line here from this action here on the 15 minute, this is kind of the bear pattern right now. It needs to get back above, let's say, 168 or 170 to get out of this bearish pattern for me and then start making its leg on up here. I'm going to go ahead and put it full screen there for you guys. I'm sorry about the charts being half screen there. Um, I just keep my sectors on the right hand side in the industries. Uh, But there you guys see it. We'll look for a move back up into this 165 range there for CRM and see if it can get back up there like always guys this is not for investment advice this is for informational purposes only and uh opinions do not represent those of benzinga Hosts and guests may maintain positions in the security discussed let's go ahead let's keep going here what are the stocks being mentioned i think generic, not a bad one to take a look at um we were keeping on watch on this one um it has made a huge run I've been keeping on watch here on the daily. I drew kind of a pandemic low here, a fib up there towards the high. And you can see we just broke through that 61.8 level. Um, so it doesn't seem like it wants to hold the fibs on the retracement levels here. So it looks like it wants to head down there towards the 200, at least from right now on the chart levels. What would we need to get bullish? I really need to see a move get back above 260s, going towards the 290s again to see if we're going to get bullish on Generac. Right now, to me, it's in a bearish trend and looking like it's coming on the downside. Barry the Great. I got you, my friend. You want to take a look at the Molin, The Molin, the monster, the one and only. Uh, you guys can see here, it was fighting the trend, fighting the trend. And I talk about the rule of threes. If you can't get up there on the fourth attempt to break out, a lot of times you come through the support, you break on down. Now we're kind of in this bearish pattern. We tested on out of here with this gap up. And then what do we do? We come back and we fill it. I actually drew this way before the fill. Uh, You can see I created this on June 9th here. Um, And you can see here that was right on this day, right here when we started breaking down through the support. I talked about how you could get a shadow fill into there and you could see how we filled the shadow right here on this Monday 13th, going right into that shadow here and then bouncing off of that. Now we can look to see if we actually start holding some gains up here. I'd be looking for a move above 132s or at least 134 to get me a little bit excited here. Uh, but we'll keep this on watch. One of the things that you would you should watch also, I would watch the hourly volume as you're going into this move here. Right now you're looking like you want to break out above 130s. Uh, but you can see here how the volume has really just died off here. And we're looking for a nice volume pop. We did get a volume pop with that recent gap. You can see it here. I'll signify it with the candle there. That's what I'd be looking for going into 133s and above that today. But, of course, a catalyst could help this one. We'll keep it on watch. Let me see if I see anything here that is standing out to me. Um, So that's Molin here. Let me see if there's any news here. Uh, Being prepared to sell the Russell 2000 Index News. Uh, So this one could possibly get added to the Russell. I think that was the mentions that actually got it moving a little bit. But I don't see anything, at least recent, that could make it keep driving. We'll see what happens. Uh, Let's keep going. Smash the like. Hit the like like Holly says. Can I get 800 likes today, guys? I'm going through stocks here for you guys. Willing to check out anything. I'm not going to hide out on any of these. But I need you guys to do me the favor and smash up that like. Like Turbojet says. Let's go. All right, uh, HUSA, HUSA, let's go take a look at that. Uh, This has been a monster lately. It's up at 562, has made a couple of drives on up here. I draw a trend line through these highs here and kind of start looking at that and then looking at where we could find some support, right? And so we've had a couple of drives on up here. If you draw it towards the body of this resistance period, You can see here, we're kind of holding that as support. We've cracked down below that once or twice. So what I usually do is I draw the next layer of support for me. That's down there towards 477. I would look for a crack down below that 542 and then coming back up through the 550s up there towards six. When it gets around six is where I'm going to be interested that this stock is trying to come back up here towards the resistance of 695. What's one thing you can keep on watch with this one? You want to keep on watch oil and gas to see how it's performing on the day. But also I saw INDO run last time with this one. So take a look at INDO to see if you get another run in INDO. That could also signal that you're going to maybe get a move in, in HUSA. Um, so keep that one on watch. H-U-S-A, Houston American Energy Corp. Let's see if we get another move up. you. Uh, being mentioned in the chat let's take a look at that antonio i got you man definitely smash up the like uh that's not that's not for you uh there you go Verdu here trying to fight to get back above the 13s here you can see a longer term trend line what i like about this one is the daily chart so the daily chart is trying to hold here uh looks like we started testing on up through this level here Um, You can draw it down now towards this where this body closes and you're kind of in a longer triangle here that is trying to develop. I'd actually go towards the weekly, try to clean it up for us. Whenever I can't see a clean pattern, I'm going to go towards the weekly and try to clean it on up there. Uh, You can see it's holding really well, the retracements right now. I'm going to go towards the daily here and what we want to see it get back on through the 1250s and try to make a push back up. I talk about this often when I look for a stock to do a couple of drives on up, you get one drive here, you get two drives, you got the third drive. Now it just needs to hold support. Where are we holding support recently? We've held support here below. We've held support here. So those are the two lines that I'd be drawing. I wouldn't want it to see it break down through these levels here. So you guys can draw maybe that red line there towards uh, 998. Don't want to see that break down. Want to see kind of hold more up towards this support where you're seeing here. You might get a little bit of a wick uh, closer towards this 1126. Don't want to see it break that. You see support here where it bounced back up. Let's look to see if we can get a red to green move coming towards that 1126. Back up through 12 is trying to make a move towards 15. A lot of this is going to depend on the volume. Look how this volume has just died on out. And if there's no volume, there's probably going to be no momentum, so we'll see if the volume can come back to the name like veru All right, what's going on out there, guys? Hope you guys are enjoying me getting in that. And yes, Kat, that was a great guest today. We had CC Lagathor from uh, the co-founder at Options AI. So check that on out, guys. I'm gonna go ahead and wrap on up. Get you guys on over to the all-access content. And like always, guys, what this is all about is learning the stories from the companies themselves so that you guys can have the information on these companies and then, of course, make your own investment decision. Like always, what we're trying to do is get you the stories of these companies and then you yourself can go ahead and take a deeper dive into these companies to determine if you want to go ahead and invest. I'll go ahead and block the spam and send you guys on over. Like always, Money Mitch, I'll see you guys later today. Hit the like button on your way out, and if you're not subscribed, definitely hit that like, the subscribe, and the bell to be notified the moment we go live, and we do this every single day, the best show in the morning, pre-market prep i'll see you guys next week and keep battling uh later today i'll actually be on i talked about it i'm gonna do a little bit of a special later today 3 p.m eastern come check us out guys we're gonna do a little bit of some quad witching hour trading so i'll see you guys there